0: My name is Sasha Pandiala, Sikh counselor. And I'm Taduja
1: Ramchal. This is Seek Human Spaces podcast where we explore how to embrace our humanness while smashing oppressive norms. And in this episode, we're going to be talking about trauma, which is something mm. that we've mentioned in several of the past episodes. But trauma is a big topic. And today, Sasha is going to be exploring that
0: with me so thank you for being here again sasha of course of course i love this so how would you define trauma when i think about trauma there are two different kinds of trauma that comes up in my mind one is um the trauma that we're all used to hearing right these very specific based uh incidents that are so large um and they affect us in the way we process our world um And therefore, you know, like something like um, an accident or a natural disaster where it completely takes you out of your everyday norm. And then afterwards, you have uh, symptoms like unpredictable emotions, like flashback, uh, strained relationships because you no longer understand how to relate, um, and physical symptoms like headaches or nausea or lack of sleep, things like that. And then the next one is complex trauma, which is usually a result of, and this is the trauma that I, I actually find most interesting, because I think this is why we are in conversation uh of, of, about trauma right now, because it's repeated little uh situations that have gotten you to a point, um like, it, those situations don't feel traumatic in the moment, but the, like the paper cuts of them. Mm-hmm. Yes, the paper cuts to the point where you can no longer use your hand without feeling pain, right? Because it's, it's just, seething with the pain right so um and they get you to the same places uh physiologically right where you're having headaches or nausea or you can't sleep or you are having flashbacks like you can't get out of this space and all kind of trauma right similar to trauma injury like the physical impact you experience in sports if there's some kind of trauma uh trauma um it affects the way your brain is functioning so there is something happening biologically right so There's just three parts of our brain that are worth mentioning. And this is very science-based and it'll be the last thing I say. Uh, That's like a lecture, but it's your amygdala, which um, it basically, it it monitors your fight or uh, flight response. It enlarges, right? Because now danger is on the rise. Like your brain's processing everything in a dangerous kind of way. It's perceiving things that way. Um, Your hippocampus, which is responsible for memory, it shrinks, right? And then also your prefrontal cortex shrinks. So your prefrontal cortex is essentially your lighthouse. It's scanning for information to actually receive what's dangerous, what's not. And now that it's shrinking, and also your memory uh, capabilities are shrinking, so that means you're not really able to kind of correctly assess your environment, you're constantly feeling like you're in danger, which is why mm-hmm. you're having these extreme responses. Um, And with regular trauma, which is essentially PTSD, what happens is, You kind of can contribute your symptoms to that specific situation, but complex drama, it's in the name. It's complex. Um, (laughs) You have no one, you wake up one day and you don't know what it was that set you off. Right. Um, And now you're, you're experiencing this thing and you're like, what is wrong with me?
1: It reminds me of when people talk about being in survival mode. And you also mentioned like the uh, fight or or flight response and for example you know you're walking in a dark alley if somebody's walking behind you your body is going to go into fight or flight but if you're operating like this on a daily basis showing up like that it inhibits you in so many ways because one of the yeah. topics that we talked about in a in a previous episode was on being authentic and how trauma can get in the yeah. way of authenticity
0: oh oh yeah absolutely i mean Trauma gets in the way of your experience of the world. um, And I'm going to say this uh, with a grain of salt, but in in its objectivity, right? Because I mean, what's objective, but that's another topic. Um, (laughs) But it does get in the way in in how you process things and how you process people and how you're perceiving their intentions towards you. Or, you know, it, it just it's like you're living in a complete vacuum and people can't enter it. I also know you that know, you say it's these little
1: things that are happening. And when I hear you say that, um, you know, what it makes, what it's, uh, what it links it to for me is like culture, like how culture can also traumatize us.
0: So what's, oh, what's yeah. your view on that? So I like that you said that, right, because I think there's so many different things that will traumatize us, right? So like when you think of complex trauma, um, normally what we're talking about is like abuse in the home, like, or experiencing vicarious abuse. Like what if a parent is being abused, right? And it still feels like this extreme situation, right? It's like Mm -hmm. um, some people don't necessarily experience it, but the cultural aspect I think that could be traumatic to us is the fact um, that there are parts of our culture that go against our natural tendencies. So it's almost like we're constantly being uh, hit to be a certain way or to act a certain way. And it's going against us. Um, and then we're learning to doubt our own, you know, instincts and who we are. And like I also feel that that could be some kind of uh, definition of trauma, cultural trauma, to your point. And that makes me think of even the schooling
1: system, right? And um, from a young age of having to yeah. go in an environment where you're being conditioned a certain way and trained a certain way and it's taking away from your natural reflexes in terms of how you would behave in certain situations. And I know you, you are a fan of uh, Dr. Gabor Mate. I am as well. He wrote a book simply on, you know, the myth of normal. And he talks about a lot about um, the cultural influences and how that leads to actually responding to the world from a place of trauma without even realizing that we're doing it because this is the norm, Mm -hmm. right? We're all living this way. And if we're all living this way, we
0: don't even recognize that it's trauma. Absolutely. So something I fail to neglect with complex trauma, um, which fits very well into this is one of the forms of abuse actually is neglect. Um, and people don't necessarily get that, right? So like, but when you're being neglected, your needs aren't being tended to. Mm. right? So that experience is also traumatic. And I think that that's um, that's how I view his philosophy. There's the neglect of the normal culture on what it means to be human. Um, mm. And we all have to kind of fit this role of what normal looks like. And when we're trying to, you know, insert the square into the circle and we're forcing and we're forcing, there is emotional wounds. There are psychological wounds that are being that that are being experienced by so many people. Um, mm-hmm. And I think that's why he talks about it in a, a trauma, you know lens. And there are people that I follow
1: who say, you know, it so the wound can happen, right? But if there's no one there to recognize there's an injury and then it gets internalized, if mm. this is so normal and nobody is actually saying that, hey, there's actually an injury here, this becomes cemented as something is wrong with me. And that's where the shame and the hiding and all of those Mm -hmm. things
0: come in. Oh, yeah, absolutely. As you were talking about it, there were so many things of example, like examples that I could talk about of like how this happens every day, right? So think about, um, you know, when you get into a job, and you had to work super extra hard, right, in order to reach a certain point in your job, correct? And then someone else comes in, and then they just go and get it right away and you know like I this happened to me a couple of times where I look at that I'm like well that's not fair and then you almost feel like oh they they need to go through the same process I went through it's almost like this hazing process that we've internalized all of us because like if I experience it so do you so get over it or when you know a child cries and their mother's like why are you crying I didn't hit you there's an emotional thing happening when that's being neglected to your point right that's when this, the child starts thinking, like, what's wrong with me? Okay, like, my needs aren't being met. My needs aren't valid. Um, mm-hmm. I'm going to feel shame for actually having needs. And then that can manifest into so many things. So, yeah. so many things.
1: Yeah. And as you're talking about like children and that the child is acting out, and, you know, a lot of times it's, you know, disciplining the child for acting that way. Mm-hmm. And in the work of Gabor Mate, he says that. That, you know, often we think that the what is being presented like the child acting out is the problem when, in fact, it's actually the solution. But you, you because there's a bigger problem that we are not looking at or he even talks a lot about addiction. And he says that mm-hmm. somebody reaching for the alcohol or whatever their drug of choice is, is actually the solution, because that's how they're dealing with what they're, uh, you know, the what they're feeling inside. And, you know, a lot of times, if we don't have the capacity to hold those feelings,
0: then we have to numb mm. them. Trauma will lead you to find coping mechanisms that are, are not going, they're more short term effective as opposed to long term effective, right? If we're mm-hmm. just trying to remove the judgment from it, um, it will lead you to find behavioral patterns and coping patterns that um, just kind of placate it in the moment.
1: And sometimes those those coping mechanisms are socially acceptable, culturally acceptable. I think overwork is one of them and where we take pride in that
0: yeah um you know yeah, absolutely um, the pride in like working 70 80 hours a week and you yeah. know not seeing your children at
1: home <laughs> which is so yeah. weird to me and you yeah. know like i think judging others for being lazy or for not working hard enough and all of these things out that, that we that we do and not recognizing that it's coming from that space of trauma. And I feel this language, like even talking about trauma, is something that recently became popular. And people are using this term also so loosely that it's lost Mm -hmm. its meaning. You know, like if we're talking about the type of trauma that we're talking about, like complex trauma and, you know, the trauma of uh, living in a culture that was not designed for you, it does require inner work in terms of resolving that?
0: Yeah, I was having this conversation uh, literally today. Um, yes, it requires that inner work and uh, it requires community, which is the opposite of the the culture that promotes the trauma, right? It requires community because um, you need to feel normal somewhere. I think that's a a human need, right? To feel seen, to feel like, okay, I'm not crazy, right? Um, And in this world, you can feel crazy for not wanting to do certain things or not not subscribing to the things that uh, society tells you to do, right? And so you need a community, you need uh, to do that work because I've had the experience, me personally, just, in a room filled with people in my field just FYI uh in therapy and them telling me like oh why do you always want to talk about feelings why do you always want to talk about the work or dynamics and it's it's pervasive and then it, it, you you look and you're like okay maybe there's something wrong maybe i just i feel too much and you know like i've had the experience a lot where i kind of feel like this weirdo who <laughs> who's who just sees too much or maybe maybe I'm paranoid or you know like and it, it starts becoming something where you're not you're no longer getting a uh, connection you're just kind of isolating yourself because you mm-hmm. don't want to be re-experienced that way
1: yeah because if you feel like the weirdo now like you're going to want to separate yourself
0: yeah absolutely like I think uh, thankfully I have found enough people in my life to recognize that I can affirm my identity even when people are telling me why are you talking about those things because if they have the same experience and we must be having this experience for a reason so maybe I'm a weirdo to these people but there are people who see the world the way I see it so that's also affirming in and of itself so it helps me stay firm in my identity so I don't neglect the parts of me that need to come out. And why is feeling your feelings like such a difficult thing uh well one i will say to your point i think the society does not promote it mm-hmm. i think there's this this very you know it's not an explicit message but we all kind of know it's there you don't talk about it and you just get shit done in order to get shit done you have to put your feelings to the side right and that is what we promote because nobody wants to talk about the elephant in the room because it makes them feel uncomfortable it makes them feel Um, uneasy. And then all of a sudden, they have to access their own feelings. So when everybody has consented to not feeling their feelings, now you are absolutely forced as a collective to just continue moving on in a very robotic way. Yeah,
1: you just hit something in me because you're, you were talking about consenting to everybody's consenting to not feeling their feelings. And this is usually not explicit consent. It was, it's just like implicit consent as a, as a group, especially if you're working in a team. And I've worked with teams where feelings were not shared. You were not allowed to be angry. You were not allowed to talk about anything unless it was positive. And I think of how dehumanizing that is and how invalidating it is as well for somebody who's having an experience and it's not psychologically safe for them to share and also reaffirms Mm -hmm. that your feelings are not welcome here. We're just here to produce. It's not authentic because people are not really connecting. They may feel like they're connecting over a common goal, but that's not true connection. Connection is is really where you and I can be humans together and we can share in that way and also to know because career is an area that I focus on and how there's that separation in terms of like oh the human part of you leave that outside the door like don't bring that part we only want this part that's going to be productive
0: so I love that you said that because it, it created this metaphor in my mind. So if any, I have you ever read the uh, that book, uh, The King's New Clothing, the Emperor's uh, new, new The Emperor's <laughs> New Clothes. There we go. Yes. Um, and his whole kingdom is watching him strut down the 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 palace naked, and they're just co-signing, and that's the consent piece, right? We're all consenting to this this thing that we know is so obvious, but we don't. We're not allowed to say it, right? Until one person says it, but before that little kid even says it, we're all consenting to have one person feel comfortable with himself. Right. And we're and I think that's the trauma, that's the cultural trauma that we experience in this world because we're all consenting this quote unquote norm, right? And we're doing it so that a very specific few can feel good within themselves and how they operate in this world right now but the rest of us are just looking like okay what's going on i guess i should shut up and some people even in the story believe they're like oh my god what amazing uh style like and so the one little kid opens their mouth and says he's naked! kid what are we doing
1: i also think of that like in the family a lot of times children are looking to appease their parents and mm-hmm. you know, let me make sure mommy and daddy are not angry or let me make sure that because that's how I'm going to get my needs met. And that also gets translated mm-hmm. into pleasing the teacher and becoming the A student. And then when you go into the workplace, that same pattern plays out. The workplace, it's also how power is distributed. So mm-hmm. if you upset your boss and your boss is not somebody who is trauma informed, if they're not operating from that lens, they can end up also causing more harm because now you're playing small just Mm. to appease them and make them happy because at the end of the year when they have to do your performance review and they're not happy, then you're being
0: punished for speaking up or whatever it is. I think we have definitely learned that speaking up will uh, get you in trouble. Oh, yeah. And nine out of 10 times it does. It really, really does. I've seen it.
1: <laughs> it also, you know, comes back to being in survival mode. Right. And I, I believe yeah. and, and I think we've talked about this when we talked about authenticity in career specifically, our uh, need for shelter, our need for um, for health care, our need to put food on the mm. table. It's all linked to career and that's by design because these are basic human yeah. needs i was thinking about this term earn a living like mm. how dehumanizing is that on oh, earning a living you're a human you have a right to be here you don't have to earn that right and that yeah. for basic human needs that we you know that this is something that should be provided to us we are punished be- by someone withholding that from us if we do the quote-unquote yeah. wrong thing based on the rules of the systems we are operating in. And I think that if somebody doesn't have the lens, which I believe most people don't, and I can speak for myself right. that this is something that a lens that I didn't have and where I questioned myself and tried to change myself because this is a system mm-hmm. you're born into, never consented to it, right? You never opted into it.
0: You're not free. A thousand percent I agree. And I love I love the way you put that. You know, there are we've learned that, you know, we, these are all learned behaviors, right? We become socialized in this process into what normal looks like. Um, and then we do it, and then we're not happy, and then we're like, what's wrong with me? <laughs> never stop to think and question what's wrong with the way I've been approaching this. Uh, And what's wrong with what I've been told Uh, because of you know, I think human nature is to just kind of say like, Oh, they must know better. They, as in whoever's making the system, who our parents. Right. And like, through my experience, um, I'm sure a lot of people can relate. Our parents don't always know better because they grew up in these same systems and they're Mm -hmm. also just in survival mode. And so we kind of experience that through them, and then we learn certain things through them, and and then we come into jobs. And we're not just coming into our job. This is not, you know, nine to five. We are bringing all of that, right? So for example, for me, my mother uh, immigrated in Colombia, uh, immigrant from Colombia, my dad was born in Greece. So I had two immigrant parents who had no idea about the system, right? Uh, My mom had a lot of fear in her, right? And of course she did. She comes from a third world country where, Hello, capitalism has completely taken what it needs from the country and left it on it to fend on its own. And that's why she grew up in civil war. Right. So now she comes here and, you know, in order to be successful, quote unquote, successful. um, I like to say achieved. Uh, Someone Mm -hmm. corrected me. And now I like to correct the world and say that's not the definition of success. Having goals and meeting them is being achieved. It's not Mm -hmm. success. Mm -hmm. Um, So, you know, now you have all these achievements that you have on your checklist. And, you know, you're trying to do it the way your parents told you to do it. And then so when something happens at work, you're not just at work. You're not just the individual at work. You are your mother's child who put in all that fear at work. Oh, my God, should I say something? Is it okay? You know, like and we all bring that to the table and we never talk about it.
1: (laughs) Yeah, those patterns are all they're you know, following you everywhere you go and even at work. Like that can feel like the family situation that you are in because when we associate familiarity with safety and we end up creating those situations over and over and operate in these dysfunctional ways where we can't be authentic or where it feels dangerous to be authentic. It's not that we can't, but Mm -hmm. it feels dangerous to be authentic because you're authentic. And then if that means you're fired. My mama's right. Yeah. Then how do you, quote unquote, earn a living, right? Then it feels like everything is going to fall apart.
0: And that is scary. Yes. And it's especially scary when everything feels like it's your only chance, right? When you didn't come from any, like from resources and privilege, right? And you had to build your way up to it. Every step you make until you hit a certain point, if you're thoughtful and you know doing the work to your point, um, it's going to feel like high stakes. It's going to feel like your last chance. It's never going to come back around. And I and it's so funny, right? I, I I speak from experience because I used to feel like that about many many uh, jobs, uh, including this job when I first started working. And I remember I hit a point where I was like, absolutely not. I have completely hit a point where. I don't have to start from zero again. <laughs> um, but that's the survival mode that you're talking about that our culture inflicts into onto us, right? Like everything just feels so dangerous. Um, to be authentic is dangerous, to 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 disagree to consent, even, which you should have the ability to disagree, right? Because that's why you're asking for consent to begin with. You know, it feels dangerous. Um, but the reality is like thankfully you you hit a point, I've hit a Point where I can say like my education can definitely you know ground me at a certain level and you know if I speak up and it's it doesn't work out in my favor, I think I will definitely find people who will agree with me and would want me on their team, you know yeah. Yeah, and that's a great perspective to have because then you
1: recognize the value that you're bringing. And even because of your lived experiences of having a mother yes. who was an immigrant, having a father who was an immigrant, seeing the struggles that they've gone through the challenges that you've gone through with your various identities like that makes you so valuable and you know the system would want you to think let's look at yeah. the certificates and let's look at all of that which you have as well but the certificates don't really
0: differentiate you absolutely it's it's uh, what makes you you it's the very thing that they are, I say they, right? I'm a, I'm not a conspiracy theorist, but to your point, I do think it was designed. It's the very thing this system was designed to eliminate. And that is your sense of self. We have been given a, a manufactured identity uh, and a, a key to happiness, right? And in all those options and all those routes, you have to spend money somehow. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Or you have to work more somehow. And it's Mm -hmm. like, if you take a step back and you start thinking like, would I really opt to do this if it was, if I had a choice? Yeah. And the system
1: is always telling you it's another certificate, it's another degree or so that's how the bar, you know, and the barriers get set up to prevent people who are coming from marginalized backgrounds and, and continue again, the re-traumatization of, I am not good enough.
0: I am not, you know, qualified when that's Mm -hmm. not the case at all. And then that's how it creates, to your point, people who have your, the same certificate as you and are not being thoughtful about this because their identity has completely been erased. Mm-hmm. And I'm sorry if this hurts a couple people, but that's the truth, right? You have lost a bit of yourself in this process. So, you know, like, how do you find that? How do you find who you are and what means something to you, what you value, um, as opposed to what it is that you're told is valuable?
1: Right. Because if all you are is a bachelor's degree or a master's degree or a doctorate, like that's not you. As you're saying, yes, you were saying before, Sasha, the counselor, is not all Sasha is. So Even if you're coming into a job where you're in that role, you're bringing everything else with you. And that's why you're able to serve the students that you serve. That's why you're able to serve the clients that you serve. And if you're not bringing that, you're also not going to attract the people who could benefit the most from what the value that you have to offer, because you're just going to be a
0: whitewashed version of yourself. Absolutely. Uh, not, yeah. And then I'm also not, I'm. I'll be perpetuating this system and also traumatizing other people because, you know, yes. especially in higher education. When somebody has feelings, I'm like, whoa, 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 tell me about them. Everybody knows that about me. It's like a thing. Yeah. Uh, but <laughs> and I, I take pride in it at this point. But if I were to just say, Oh, it's okay, go see, go see a counselor, you know, go see somebody else. That's not my in my job description, how how much trauma would we also would I also be inflicting on, on these people, right? So I'm now perpetuating it. I'm part of it and I'm I'm sustaining it. That like my biggest goal always is to get people to start understanding how this system is not helping you the individual right very capitalistic uh spin on it right but if you start thinking about what i'm missing how am i not benefiting how can i live a more fulfilled life right Um, because the reality is the data is is out there the stats are out there it's no surprise that you know post-pandemic like now i think Uh, primary care providers have to you know screen for anxiety it became a part of their system Mm -hmm. that used to be only up to the doctor right so and it's no surprise that suicide rates um, are so high in certain times of the season and also like in America Um, it's no surprise that we have all these you know mass shootings there's no it's no surprise that it's so um, our political system has become so divided these are all symptoms right so I'm not this is this does not help anybody. There's anger. There's um you know people wanting to do something about it. There's sadness over this. Like the, these are this is what the symptoms are showing, right? So in order to live a more fruitful life. You don't just have to put the blinders on and avoid everything that's happening because it's going to come to get you one way or another. That's life. I know I mentioned that in the other, the last episode. So how do we live a more fulfilled life right now that we see that, okay, maybe this system is not for me and maybe I do need to stop perpetuating it. And, and maybe there is another way, right? Obviously I'm not saying, I don't even know if I'll be able to see it, right? The, the end of this, it's, it's just, small changes that change the culture um not necessarily the rules per se
1: mhm yeah excellent and one of the things that people tell me that they want most in their career like when i talk to them and um you know you get to the bottom of what it is that they truly want career freedom is the mm-hmm. number one thing and they think oh once i figure out what is this one thing that i should do in my career i'm going to be free And that's not the answer. You know, the reason Mm. that you're not free is because you are operating this way, that you're stuck in these patterns uh, that, again, you didn't consent to, but they're controlling you. And the Mm. work, a lot of times, you know, they think it's the, let me do this assessment to see what is the career path I want to do or not. Yeah. But they're not doing that inner work. And I, I, I feel... Having done a lot of that myself, and I know you you have as well, what are some of the things that people can do to help them deal with the situation where they're in survival mode, where they feel stuck, and you know other things that yeah. result from
0: trauma? That's a really good question. Um, well, one, I think a lot of us avoid admitting that this is a thing. Right. um, And you're just going to have to get to a point. I think that's step one. There's this. OK, this is happening. That's step one, like the admitting piece. Right. Like this is a thing. This is happening. I am not happy. Right. Uh, because I think there's a lot of fear into your point of feeling the feelings, because what does that mean about you? What kind of person am I? What does that mean about my decisions? Now, do I have to rework everything? That's a heavy load to carry. And a lot of people don't want to deal with that. And mm-hmm. I don't condone it, I but I do understand why people choose that route. Um, and then after the just recognition, uh, step two is trying to get to a point of acceptance, like that this is what it is, right? I think we I think the the trauma culture has gotten us all to a point where we're just trying to create these little fantasies in our world of what life is and Life is not this dream that we had that we all have and we're all working towards. Life is it's a pretty it's a reality. it's a reality. It's an existence that we're all experiencing, right? and it, it it makes that bubble and that fantasy in your mind feel like, I don't know, you're gonna have to grieve it. That's what it makes you feel. it you feel grief over this version of yourself that you thought you were going to be and get to. and that's part of the acceptance that that's not reality. And that reality is exactly what you and I are talking about, right? Um, it's not always happy, and it's and there's not one quick fix. <laughs> and once you start accepting that there's not one quick fix, then you can kind of move into um, feeling the feelings, right? But that's hard, right? Because I and this is a this is the the science part part to it and the physical part. When your brain is wired a certain way, but lucky for us, you know, our brain uh, neuroplasticity is a thing we can rewire it. Um, Mm -hmm. So it takes effort. Even when it's like losing weight, it's like uh, trying to get a new sleep schedule. It's anything behavioral. It does take effort and practice, but just also recognizing and accepting that it is not fun and it is not a one quick fix kind of Mm -hmm. thing. Mm -hmm. You know, like it's so interesting how our culture of trauma has geared us to only complain, right? These like, you, you see it everywhere, like FML, Or, you know, like we all get mad when someone decides to throw themselves in front of a train because we don't think about the fact they committed suicide. We're just thinking about the fact we're going to be late. Right. Yeah. And then you wonder why people don't want to confront it. I think that's too close for comfort. It makes them, you know, when we look at people, they are, whether we want it or not, they are automatic mirrors into ourselves and dealing with your reflection, um, especially when you have, you've been taught to avoid it. It could be very scary.
1: <laughs> yeah, and I I recall you talking about um you know like how for example um when you deal with different people it's a different version of you and like with your mother for example it's that nine year old version of you mm-hmm. and um one of the things that Matthew and I had talked when we initially started doing this podcast was about like even the inner child healing that needs to happen like when as a child you didn't have yeah. the capacity to handle big emotion Gabor Mate talks about it, you know like as well storing that in your body you know that's why it's hard a lot of times to just sit with your feelings or just sit still that we always have to be busy and that's also a badge of honor in our culture right because if we're always busy it must mean that we are important and that's also
0: a mechanism that we use to not feel Absolutely. I love that. Yeah. I, I'm going to take what you said and just uh, say that this society has created um, a badge of honor for our trauma responses. It's this, it's like, oh, I'm doing something right. And then it's so twisted. Um, You know, you asked what I, what we could do. Right. And I think just having the courage to have a conversation could be so validating and it'll help you feel normal right? Um, like, oh, I'm not the only one, because you are not the yeah. only one, right? We're talking about this for a reason. Yeah. And especially in a, you know, in a culture where, it's like, somebody says, how are you? And
1: you're always supposed to be fine. And you said, like, that's mm-hmm. not life. Life is messy. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you're going to go into yeah. these, uh you know, ups and downs. And, you know, just responding that way, it just perpetuates that inauthenticity, perpetuates the trauma where, you know, you have to keep things to yourself. And and being able to share is also part of freeing yourself because then mm. if, you have, if you admit it to yourself and you, you have a witness that sees like, yeah, there's actually an injury there, you know?
0: Yeah, uh, absolutely. And also, you know, I think when you start talking about it, you start recognizing how strong you are or how resilient you are, right? Like I used to really just avoid my traumas and my family secrets, like the plague. I remember I just wanted to be a version of myself when I showed up in school or at work. And afterwards, I think when I hit 29, that's when I really started kind of integrating it into myself Um, and then recognizing like, I. This is going to sound a little twisted, uh, but I wouldn't have it any other way because it was that process that got me to to be who I am now. Um, and I wouldn't want to be a, a version of myself that I used to be like just kind of following the system. So if it, if I had to be shocked out of it, then I take I take pride in the fact that I was able to get out of it. Um, and not just pride in the fact the way that the society tells you to and like, you know, you don't tell anybody how to get out of it. Like, this is why I give back. Right. Because, oh, I, I I've I've maneuvered myself through this map. I could help you see the map. Right. Like, that's my job. Um, but like, I, I think there's a lot of beauty in the the rawness of life that people don't talk about. And we should change that conversation. It's it's a beautiful thing that we're still surviving. Like, and I genuinely mean that. I don't mean that in like a cliche, corny way. Like we are surviving every single day. And I think that's beautiful.
1: Yeah. And that rawness we don't see because of the, you know, the sanitization that happens and having to, you know, fit into certain standards and how you speak and how you dress and how you act. I I love that you you share that. Like at twenty nine, um, you know, it's often called the quarter life crisis when a lot of people are aligning more it. with their values and it can mean a lot of shedding and questioning. And you can choose how you how you navigate that. Obviously, do you continue on the path that you're on, or is that do you take that opportunity to really go deep within? And what I love about you saying that as well, is that you get to make that decision. You are in charge. You actually do have choice in this and it doesn't have to be that you're, that you're going to be in survival mode forever.
0: Yeah. Um, and yeah, I think that choice is what keeps you moving, right? When you realize it's mine. Um, because I think uh, these responses, they're to, you know, they're inherent in our body and our minds. It's auto, it's become automatic. They're learned. Um, but, you know, you keep honing in on the fact that like, okay, I'm gonna, you know, uh, figure this out or not. And that's just those are the options, right? Like, because if you once you hit a point where you realize you can't keep living the way that got you here, like something has to change. Mm -hmm. And uh, yeah, let's, let's just explore that and see. And it's gonna feel uncomfortable because you don't know what's at the end. Mm -hmm. (laughs) But I think it's so worth exploring. Um, And there is, and, and I think I'm thinking more about the people who are just beginning their process or thinking about it, right? Like, so I I, I guess there is hope in it, right? Um, and it's going to feel hopeless at times, but there's still hope in it because uh, you, you have another day, you're still surviving, you're still moving.
1: And a lot of times it feels hopeless because you don't have examples. Like you think you're the only one who is going through yeah. this. And with Sasha sharing, and I can say this has been my experience as well, you know, in terms of uh, questioning everything and thinking I was going crazy, but also because I didn't know anyone. Now in my work that I do, it's like, I recognize like people go through this process all the time. But again, you know, why don't we share? There's so much shame in saying that Mm. I don't have it all together or, you know, I haven't figured
0: it out when nobody has. That's the truth. Nobody has. Nobody. You're right. And like, I, it's a joke, right? And they laugh when I tell them, but my students, when we talk about what do you want to do? What are you thinking about? Right. I still tell them, I'm like, I don't want to, I don't know what I want to be when I grow up. And I genuinely mean it because who knows where I'll be in 10 years? Like who Mm -hmm. knows? Yeah. The people who
1: seem to have it figured out, you know, there's some people who thrive because of the standards of the system. And there are some people who survive in spite of it. Right. And mm. Sasha said it in uh, the episode on authenticity, capitalism creates winners and losers. That's just the way it is. Right. And some people are just, you know, like, for example, when you think like, this is my only opportunity for some people, they know, like, I can afford to fail. Like, this is, there are many other opportunities lined up for me. But if you feel like things are not the way that you expected it to be, even though you checked off all the boxes and everything else, that this experience itself is so valuable in terms of how you show up and, you know, the work that you do and differentiating yourself from others. It also makes you, you know, be able to relate to people at a very human level as opposed as opposed to just objectifying them.
0: Yeah. Uh I think I, I tell as a joke, I tell people all the time, I'm like, let's make uh you know feeling and being human cool again, right? Like I think that's my my mo literally like I they if we're gonna be in this capitalistic society, let's make it a trend. Let's make it a, a good thing to be human, right? Like a good thing to feel, a good thing to to have values and morals. Um because they're not having those things um, is traumatizing. And even those winners that we were talking about last episode and in this episode to your point, I think you said it, even the winners, they themselves, they I, I don't think that they're fully fully <laughs> enjoying it the way that they could enjoy a different way of life. And I say that because it, it when you have the winners and losers, there is a deficit mindset. So now you're more consumed with, supporting and keeping your your winning status, right? And that's also not very. Um, I don't know if that's what you choose. Fine, but that's that's not happy. <laughs> mm-hmm. That's paranoid, if you ask me. Yeah, and I say for those people, like they are in,
1: say, the um, jail cell that's six by six, and you and I are in the jail cell that's two by two, and but we are also in jail. Yeah. The whole point is for us to. To get out of jail, all together to free ourselves as um, as humans. Um, this has been enlightening, uh, an enlightening conversation, um, Sasha. And my hope is that somebody listening to this can recognize that if they're seeing, you know, these patterns where or they're struggling to recognize that there is nothing wrong with them, and mm. that there are places that they can go to to get help with this. And to be able to recognize that this is far more common than they know.
0: Absolutely. You, you said something that I, I do want to add on, right? I think once you recognize that there's something possibly happening to you versus it's not you doing it, you're able to see it through a different lens where you have a little more autonomy. Because if you're feeling crazy, like, what am I doing? What's going on? It's harder to kind of, you know, get yourself out of that hole
1: hmm. Yeah. As you said, like this is life. you live your life and things are going to come up and you're going to encounter, you know, different feelings and you deal with it. But if you don't know how to deal with it, that's when, um, you know, life is going to feel dangerous if it's not perfect. Yeah.
0: <laughs> yep. And there's no such thing.
1: And there's no such thing. That's the whole point of being human is to be <laughs> wonderful and messy yeah. and imperfect. All right. Thank you so much, Sasha. You've been listening to Seek Human Spaces. Be sure to subscribe to be notified of new episodes. Catch you next time. And remember to be human.